time is that single commodity that you will never get back. Like I see the timer on our recording ticking, Jordan, 9.33, 9.34. We're not gonna get that back. So we better represent, right? We better make our time worthwhile. Welcome closers. Today we have another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast coming at you. Season one, focused on marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Moyla, and every week I interview world-class property management entrepreneurs and industry experts who share actionable insights to help you grow your property management empire. Whether you manage a hundred or a thousand doors, this is the show that's gonna help you see the big picture and get to the next level. I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Sweet Sun Tzu, the art of war. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. Today, I'm talking with a special guest whose background ranges from building beverage distribution networks in Minsk to selling property management software to now running the largest marketing agency in the property management industry. Yes, I'm talking about my good friend and brother from another mother, Alex Oso Nenko. Today, we're going to be talking about pricing in the context of positioning, which is a key aspect of your overall marketing strategy. I will leave no stone unturned as I attempt to pierce the mind of a master marketer and tease out some useful insights for you, my dear audience. Alexander, are you ready to get this party started? Man, also is here and also is on. I'll tell you what, Jordan, that was a an awesome intro. I appreciate all the all the titles you bestowed upon me. I, you know, I'm just uh, uh, I'm just going to try to be as helpful as possible with the last 10 years spent in property management industry, whether it's um, figuring out operational software and helping property managers get more efficient from that perspective or figuring out the pre-sale, um, everything from demand generation to you know signing a property management contract and then figuring out what's that worth. Yeah, so I've seen a lot. Hopefully, um, I'll be able to talk intelligently on some of the topics that you um, mentioned. I hope so too, my man. Today we're talking about pricing, which is actually something that you have some passion about. Uh, pricing is maybe what some would call a graduate level consideration. Pricing tends to start on the operation side as like, hey, we got to charge something. Let's just kind of slap something up and figure it out. Eventually, as a company involves the considerations of marketing, positioning involve Pricing becomes at the forefront when it relates to the overall perception of your company and some of the nuance, some of the finer issue. Do I put it on my website? Do I put it behind? Do I have one? Do I have a go flat fee or do is it a percentage? Do I have a multi-tier option or a single option? There is a lot of nuance and I want to dive into that today, but I just want to start here. Why does pricing matter from your perspective? What is the opportunity related to carefully and thoughtfully thinking through pricing? as a property management company? Well, I think it's the most important lever as a business owner for you to be able to control demand. Price, it, you know, not always connects with value. And as, our, as business owners, our job is to, is to be able to deliver value, right, for the price that is fair and, and you know, you can make profit in the business. But for the consumer, sometimes price is the sort of... Uh, uh, the, the first visible thing they're going to judge a business upon. 
it's worth um, a lot of experimentation, exploration, discussion, um, and research. If there's nothing happening with your business, if there's no leads coming in, if you are absolutely like your website is number you know, 5,800 on Google, there's still one thing you can do. You can work with pricing and, and get, some of the, get some of the people to look your way because you're priced differently and however your value is packaged, it is priced very appetizing for the consumer and you will eventually start getting calls and, and beating the competition as you progress through your marketing. But pricing is that lever. You're absolutely right. And you make a really good point. If we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this triangle in terms of the mind of consumer oriented towards the perception of the, of the value of the company, it really can get distilled down to price. Nobody wants to hear that, but implicitly we all know if we're going to say, well, what's the first thing a consumer asks you? It tends to be for better, or for worse. What do you charge? What is the price? Now, is that the only level on which we want to have the conversation? No, but it is where many consumers start, so it is an opportunity for meaningful differentiation. Let's talk through some of the different models of pricing. What are the different uh, the different buckets of stra pricing strategy that you see property management companies putting in place? Can I take a step back for a second, Mr. Jordan? Please. I, I want to I want to qualify one thing and give our audience, your audience, our audience, uh, a context here. When you say this is the first thing, I and I think you know the first thing that we hear um, uh, a lot of times when we pick up a sales call is what is your fee. I think it's important to stop here for a second and show the audience how to turn this question into a positive conversation before we go into the pricing modeling, right? So um, if you have to combat some of the low or flat fee, or you are the low fee, in either case, you should answer the question in a way that is the following. Go ahead and ask me, Jordan. Ring, ring. Hey, uh, first question before I hear the pitch. What do you charge? So uh, I, I'm glad that you asked, Jordan. So our fees range from 2.5% to 8.9%, depending on the needs of your property, depending on a couple of different factors, depending on what kind of rent we can get you. Can I ask you a few questions about your property? Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you end up being a landlord or investor. Boom. You got me. I'm going to I'm going to answer a couple of questions. I still want my answer, but if you're framing it as you need a couple of simple answers for me to be able to get my simple answer back in um, in response, I think that's reasonable quid pro quo. Yeah, the simplicity here is you give them a range and you pacify the question because the range sounds really attractive. So, you know, they probably have looked around before and it's probably somewhere between, I said 2%, but it's somewhere probably between 6% and 10% out there in the wild, right? You just gave them a range that definitely qualifies you as someone they can do business with. Now you have a chance to qualify them, right? And make sure it's the right owner for you, number one. And number two, um, you can sell uh, your services to them and, the, and you, you, you can solve their problems. Because here's the challenge here. They're not the challenge, the opportunity. Jordan, nobody listens. Nobody gives a shit these days in for, the con for, for your own concerns as a consumer. Like when was the last time you had a sales call? Like honestly, think about this. When was the last time, Jordan, you had a sales call when somebody actually heard you all the way through and basically cobble put together a solution only after hearing everything you said. 
Man, you'd have to give me more time than we have in the podcast to, to, <laughs> to, to figure you. out when that was because it's been a long time. I'm telling you, Jordan, this is what's this is what's happening out there. It's it's you know it's the world of high octane you know salespeople um, who are you know who are set to hit quota and you know it's bang 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 thank you ma'am right nothing you know there's no connection no relationship built out there. I'm sure there are great salespeople out there, but there are a minority. But and, and they're making a killing. These guys get promoted into management as quickly as possible, and and so again we we're left with people who are just uh, uh, too in love with themselves speaking to do a proper um, to do justice to a sales goal. It's really helpful to go over. I mean, what I would say is that the last time I experienced that, and I can't think of a specific interaction, but I know what it was. It was in the context of a high dollar, high value purchase. Luxury tends to be custom. The more money you pay, the more custom tailoring you get. But the warped thing is that listening is, what does listening cost, Alex? It's well, free. It costs time in reality. So you think about this, right? It does cost time. So, and time is the, single most important commodity we have. In fact, people are ready and willing to spend money to, to save time. Look at all these softwares, right? Look at the Silicon Valley right out of my window. You know, all these people are humming for one reason, to save business owners, to save uh, uh, individual consumers time, because time is that is that single commodity that you will never get back. Like I see the timer on our recording ticking, Jordan, 9.33, 9.34, we're not gonna get that back. So we better represent, right? We better make our time worthwhile. Um, but, but having said that, investing time in 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 the relationship is what is going to reward you with the sale. Is going to reward you with a successful, you know, client relationship that's going to stay for for you with you for a long time. And it's a worthy investment, in my opinion. Absolutely, it's a worthy investment relative to all the other things you could spend money, customer acquisition costs, marketing campaigns, time, listening, empathy are great expenditures of your marketing budget and additions to your marketing arsenal. Circling back to uh, the pricing strategies, walk me through the, the buckets of pricing strategy that you see companies employing in the marketplace. By the way, you you yourself is pretty good at it. So feel, pr please feel free to to pitch anytime. Interrupt. You, you know, know I will. You know I will, brother. <laughs> That's my zoop. All right. And the only really true way to turn a pricing question without being sleazy, shady, or 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 um, insensitive is um, is to have a range. So how do you get a pricing range? Well, you have to have. Uh, a different plans that suit different type of consumer, okay? And and if you look at your own portfolio, you can say, okay, well, all these, like my top 20% of the clients make me, you know, 50% of the money or 80% of the money. That's great. Um, and those are the ones that are the most valuable to you. Um, but what about the other, you know, let's say the middle 40%, 40 to 50%, the bulk of your customers who may not be as profitable as the top customers, but they, they, they're they sort of the B players that make the reality, make your business hum, right? So how can you get more of the B and A players and reduce the and, and remove the C players? And and so you have to create plans that are very appetizing for the for the maybe C going on to B, definitely B. B should be your strongest plan. And then A should be your luxury plan or not a luxury plan, but but kind of all-you-can-eat plan for a high-flying investor who does not have time um, or, or, you know, or wants to trust you completely with everything, full portfolio stuff.
So um, to, to sum this up, three plans is the way to go. So let's talk about the status quo. If this is such a great idea, why don't more companies do it? They do do it. They do do it, and they're winning. The ones that do, they're winning. Um, if you look at the landscape, and I, you know, I speak to hundreds. I'm sure you do, you as well. Hundreds, if not thousands, property, probably thousands every year. Like literally, personal conversations, reviewing their businesses, stuff like that. You know, I'd say about two percent of these people, maybe maybe five percent, actually pub- publish pricing on the website, and about twenty percent of that five percent has the three tiered plans. And everybody, and I'm going to make this statement now, everybody that has the, the those plans in place, I found to be very, very successful. Now, there's no correlation. Like, it's not it's not they became successful. Causation because, is not yeah. correlation. Exactly. Right. But these guys have figured it out. Um, look at the successful companies out there. You know, look at what they're doing in copy. There's a lot of uh, uh, software, you know, startups and a lot of technology companies uh, break things down in tiers. And there's some significant research has been done over the years by multiple psychologists on uh, on pricing, price sensitivity, and, and there's this concepts like price anchoring and, and, and other things. But the three pricing tiers seems to be uh, um, the way to go. However, a problem, potential problem with it is paralysis uh, by analysis, right? You can't make it too complicated. And that's that's where the genius come from. You have to sit down and spend days and maybe even weeks just looking at the pricing models, read the pricing book. I'm gonna put we're gonna put the link in this in this uh, interview. I can't remember what the book is called. I'm sorry I didn't pull it before the show, but it's an excellent book on pricing. Everybody should read it, right? And we're gonna link it out in the show. Hopefully, I'll send you the link once uh, once we're done. But you know, do yourself a favor. You know, it's the most important. Um, demand lever uh, control of your business, and I think it's worth the research. So there, there are two things to say here. The first is that when you say it's a demand lever, you can talk about that on the level of um, getting more or less customers, but also the quality of the customers' revenue, etc. One of the concerns that I have with the tiered pricing model, and I saw this firsthand, was a company that had a three-tier package model, and the lowest tier still included the vast majority of the management services they provide, but at a very at a very low premium. And basically, what they were doing was swapping out the uh, the leasing fee or the management fee. Right, the lower the leasing fee is, the higher the management fee is, or putting that in in reverse. Have you seen that before? Have you seen a company have that that type of approach? Yeah, I have. But but there's one thing to consider, right? So if an owner comes to your property management company with a good tenant, presumably you're doing a lot less work. If the owner is coming and, and you've just taken over the property, right? If the owner is coming to you with a vacant property that needs a lot of work to prep for rent, um, it needs a lot of work advertising and qualifying and placing a tenant, um, you know, that is the cost of... Uh, to the property manager to be able to fill that unit. And also, you know, you have to do it fast, right? Because the owner is expecting that tenant in there and paying rent. So I, th- I think I think it has to do with, with the workload, right? It, it is a fair assumption that, you know, if I'm the owner with a good tenant, you know, I'm okay with a higher leasing fee because I already have a tenant. I'll just want to pay less for management. Does that make sense? 
You know, here's the implications of that, though. Over time, when you look at the unit economic implications of giving up on the management fee in exchange for the near-term revenue, that's the concern, right? Because you can get a little – you can put the consumer in a situation where they were they were pretty influenceable and what you chose to do was to willingly give up on the management fee, which is where you're going to capture the majority of your revenue over the lifetime of the relationship. So that was the specific issue with that pricing construct. And the other related issue is what is the scope of services that you cram into each one of those packages? So let's talk a little bit about the variability of services that could be provided in each one of those tiers to make them meaningfully different. This is part of a, this is kind of a follow-up conversation to some of the things that we discussed at the most recent mastermind that we hosted in Mexico. So talk me through how these packages in terms of the services can actually have meaningful differentiation. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah, we did have a full-on um, a half-a-day session on pricing with our attendees, and I think we've gotten to a very, very good place, although there's probably a lot more that can be worked on there. But I'm going to introduce a concept. Um, you know, people call it ancillary fees. I call it value-add services. So as a property management company, you have to you have to sit down, look at your portfolio again, look, review all the questions people are asking you, figure out what are the value add services I can I can connect with my pricing so I can have the lowest possible management fee commission percentage wise, right, and be super competitive. But I also want to ha- deliver value to my customers on demand. So that lowest package should be your bare bones basic service without any of the value add pieces involved, right? And again, the value add needs to be, you need to put a value add price table for yourself. For example, let's call it a, um, um, one of the value add fees would be a pet uh, pet rent or pet, pet insurance. Let's call it pet insurance, right? A pet, pet insurance is not something that the homeowner needs, but it will help them rent their unit faster to potentially more qualified, responsible pet owner. If you remove all pets uh, uh, and consideration from renting an apartment, you, you're going you're gonna to stay vacant for longer. That's a fact, okay? That's a fact. So if the pet insurance is the value at in the middle plan, now the homeowner is assured that their property is going to be, you know, brought to the to the proper condition f- for paying the fair fair price for management. So that's a value add. That's a value add for a homeowner, and and that's that's easily explained. Another one is, um, let's call this a, a home guarantee of some sort, right? If you guarantee a condition of the home or guarantee a tenant, those things, or guarantee a tenant within a certain time, those things help, and those things are value-add. There's sort of a protection, right, a, a validation of, of how well you're going to do the work. And those things, again, can be included. Inspections, right? If somebody is concerned about a property, if you don't offer a guarantee or they didn't buy a guarantee, they can buy individual inspection packages. You can say, look, you're on our lowest tier at six whatever percent, um, but we have a promotion running for the two inspection package that will set you up for the next year. You know, let's call it $150, something like that, right? So you can do, you can introduce upsell opportunities. There's just a lot going on here, man. This service is is so sort of um, so broad. I mean, look at the, and I'm going to rent here, but look at the auxiliary opportunities, right? Look at the real estate sales opportunity, right? 
what if you guarantee an investor that if they list with you, you'll give them certain like Redfin, right? You give them a you 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 do you sell their home for a flat fee. There's all these other things that are potentially bolted on to the property management service that would be a value add as well as a huge opportunity for you as a property management company. Folks, we got a lot more to talk about, but before we go on, I want to mention our show sponsor, the PM Growth Summit, which is happening at the end of January in 2018. If you consider yourself a growth-minded property management entrepreneur, if you're interested in leveling up your sales and marketing game, if you want to go pro and network with the best-in-class entrepreneurs and stay on the cutting edge of the industry, you need to be at the PM Growth Summit. We truly bring best in class entrepreneurs and you can get your ticket now by going to pmgrowsummit.com and using the coupon code jordan j-o-r-d-a-n to get a hundred dollars off your ticket alex why would somebody consider coming to the pm grow summit good question so i read this ad on my show for the last i don't know the property management show for the last i don't know maybe seven eight shows and you know, I actually had the ad ready. I could have read it myself if you wanted to. But I give you five reasons. How's that? Five reasons. Um, five reasons to attend. There's zero, zero reasons not to. The only reason you would not attend, if you're at the level where you completely just starting out, you absolutely have no funds and every dollar needs to go into the marketing of some sort of growth. I'd say if you're anything over, you know, 50 to 75 properties, you're good to go. Uh, before that, I think the concept covered at the PM Grow Summit might have been a little bit beyond the foundational. And I think I think a lot of startup founders need the foundation. So I would definitely dedicate time to NARPUM. And NARPUM's running their NARPUM Smart Initiative. Um, they have designations. I would spend my time building a foundation there before graduating to something like PM Crow. Um, really advanced concepts, advanced speakers. You have to kind of board them. And in order to board them, you have to have a healthy foundation. But five reasons to attend for the rest of us. We doubled our speaker budget from last year. That means we went from 35000 to 70000 Okay, we, we got top talent, top guys out there within and without the industry. To educate all of us, the, these um, are these are people that me and you are are very inspired by, right? I mean, these are people that me and you readily bow down to in, in their specific domain expertise. Victor, Antonio, Marcus, these are guys that would that would be uh, able-bodied mentors for people that are at a higher level caliber, even like myself and yourself. Fair. Fair enough. I mean, we, we, we had a bit of share of success. I mean, you know, for me, it's a journey, not a destination. But these these guys really sort of help me identify the journey, right? Put the purpose behind myself and drive like there's no tomorrow. So yeah, top talent, top guys, vetted, interviewed, and paid what they're worth to come and speak and perform for us, the, uh, the audience. Um, second reason, we majorly improved the venue. Uh, this time, Jordan went on site to this awesome hotel, Grant um, U.S. Grant Hotel in San Diego, luxury hotel in a gaslight quarter, awesome place. And we've uh, what? We did what? We actually listened to our customer reviews last year, and we got a Wi-Fi vendor. That's a big one, man. We had people like, hey, you can't do Wi-Fi. You know, it's too too crowded. People can't get on, can't vote, can't do anything, can't do work. Well, we got our dedicated Wi-Fi vendor. So, I mean, it, from our perspective, it's solved. I hope they deliver. Uh, reason number three, we take 1% of the speakers and we ask them to do in-depth, hands-on workshop. People like, you know, Marcus Sheridan, people like Victor Antonio, these are high-level, top-level thinkers 
uh, with great methodologies they can distill onto you and onto your teams within you know three to four hours and you will never be the same. Reason number four, all-inclusive experience. We take you all the way through. You know, I just attended an Inman conference. Jordan, I tell you, it was a great conference, but there was not even coffee provided, bro. Not even coffee. Great content, but man, I was hungry. I was hungry. I was low energy. There was no snacks. There was nothing. What we, the way we do it in PM Grow is completely different. Awesome content, but also you know your, your your food, your beverages, your drinks, your cocktails, your parties, your coffee. All that is provided for you, so you're not distracted from the reason you're there. And those are the next next uh, point number five: network and learn. Right. This is. The best networking opportunity in industry, top talent, property management companies, uh, owners are going to be there and you want to be among them. So those that's my pitch, man. Five reasons to attend. I'm sold. I'm going to be there. <laughs> oh, well, then if you're sold, put a code Alex in there. Jordan and I have a little healthy competition going. If you put code Jordan, you get 100 bucks off. Code Alex gets you 100 bucks off. Sorry, bro. I didn't mean to hijack your podcast. Turning my own audience against me. Wow. This guy knows no boundaries. And so I'm going to get my money's worth having him on the podcast. I want to keep moving on. I want to focus on three remaining points, Alex. I want to dig into three specific line items that you, have, you and I have talked about before that we specifically fleshed out at the most recent mastermind in Puerto Vallarta. And those are in order. Item number one, the good, better, best plan, which relates to an extreme pricing model on a lower tier plan. I also want to talk about a comprehensive ROI analysis and consultation as a paid consultation prior to having... I don't know if I wanted to give that away, to be honest with you. You know, man, we're going to do it. You came on the show. This is a bit... uh, This is a bit unique and it's both of these concepts right now like right now you're willing to give them away you came on the show we're gonna do it you know they want it major competitive advantage you know i feel good about giving it away but also i want to say that the value of these two concepts is not in in the idea but in implementation of the idea and the idea itself is, is is sort of grand and 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 potentially groundbreaking but the implementation is going to be everything. You can't just act on it based on the surface of what you hear in this show. This needs needs research, needs, needs consideration, needs further uh, thought process. But man, the ideas are absolutely groundbreaking in my opinion. Let's go. Uh, bottom line, we got some juicy stuff. Last one is the home condition and performance guarantee. We're going to go over these one at a time. Let's start with a good, better, best plan. You already talked about having a tiered pricing model. So you already mentioned good, better, best. That's basic price anchoring. Best, most expensive. Good, least expensive. All both of them anchor people towards your better plan, which is your middle tier plan. That's basic pricing psychology 101. But let's talk about this this concept, good idea, bad idea. It's kind of a wild idea, but this concept of having a really, really cheap entry-level plan to use as the gateway drug and the feeder to move people up to that better or that best plan. We talked about that a little bit in Puerto Vallarta, how could you craft a plan that could be shockingly cheap? And what would shockingly cheap look like in your mind, speaking on behalf of the consumer? Yeah. So something like $19 a month sounds pretty ridiculous. Or, you know, a $29 a month plan. 
that that starts building a bridge. Because take a step back for a second. I think the reason why landlords don't hire property managers, and I've sp- spoken to a lot of landlords, and I've you know I've always tried to sort of get get inside their their mindset and figure out why are they doing it themselves? Why are you why are you dealing with your eight rental properties, um, and 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 not not seeing a life uh, and not spending time with you with your young kids and family? Why would you, my neighbor, for example? Why would you do such a thing? And um, and so for them, the, their answer is, you know what their answer is? The answer is, I'm making 10% more return. That's what they always say. I'm making 8% more return. I'm making 10% more return. But you know, in reality, they don't, right? They, they're not. They're not only their time is being sunk into this, into the properties, into this rental business uh, uh, side project, but it also, they fail. Um, they fail miserably and they, they have vacant properties that are Properties are being destroyed by tenants. They get sued. Uh, regulations are getting tighter. I mean, look, the bridge that we need to build, as a, well, the property management industry needs to build with the landlords, is the bridge of transparency and trust. Okay, those two things need to be there. So I think that that ridiculously low plan can show or give you the top of the funnel opportunity to get people signed up for your services at this ridiculously low rate, and you you deliver some some value for it, right? Um, you can give them a lease agreement. You can offer them rent collection. You can get them a rent-ready consultation. You can do a 1099, uh, or you can provide those for additional fees. However you set that up, again, it requires you a deeper thought process and a lot of experimentation to do it right. Because boy, what happens, Jordan? If you just undercut your own company, if you introduce this $19 plan and all of a sudden 80% of your consumers are signing for it, it's too good. You got to pivot. You got to like, this is, this is risky stuff, bro. It is risky stuff, but all good things come to those who venture and wager. By the same measure, what's also risky is not innovating. What's also risky is getting your pants beat off by the next uh, flat fee pricing guy that's undercutting your business. So are you going to innovate and are you going to disrupt yourself or are you going to allow somebody else to do that on your behalf? The point is, it's a thought experiment. By having a really low pricing tier like that, it gets you in the game. It gets you that initial conversation. It is not meant to be a gimmick. I want to be clear. We're not talking about putting out a pricing plan where the service side of it is garbage and you have no intention of anybody using it. I think my belief, and like you said, it needs to be fleshed out and put in place to be validated, but my belief is that it is possible to have an extreme tier light plan as cheap as 20, 25, 30 bucks a month that could actually provide tangible value for the more discriminating consumers that as we both know, you've probably heard this term prosumer, consumers are more educated, they're more able, they're more DIY. Can you start a relationship? Can you start a financially based relationship with a consumer that you otherwise would have never had a conversation with because you had a price that was low enough for them to take a wager and begin a relationship with you, whereas otherwise they were just going to manage themselves? These are not necessarily 
tire kickers or worthless customers that are exclusively focused on price. These are people that feel like they already have a modicum of competence themselves. And so they're not necessarily competent with the idea of putting their hands up and saying, well, I know nothing about it. You know, the property manager has to do it all for me. They want to be somewhat involved. And so this allows them to offload a certain level of responsibility, begin the relationship. And if you have good service, if you care about your clients, if you care about things like onboarding, retention, the client and customer experience, you have a viable option for moving people up market to your other tier plans. That's the opportunity that I see here. Yeah, I'm with you on this. There are risks involved, there are opportunities always connected to risks. You and I both took major risks to start this business and run it. Most of our customers, or excuse me, most of your listeners did as well. Um, you know, most of our founders and co-founders and uh, or people looking to start the business. Um, so granted, uh, we are risk takers, um, but don't just go out and cowboy this up. Um, this needs to be uh, a careful experimentation with uh, testing, uh, with A-B testing, with understanding, with a system behind this, you know, how are you going to convert these guys? It's a bridge you're building. It's a top of the funnel, if you will. It's a bridge you're building with your future, you know, best customers. You're right. They're not tire kickers. They're not the El Cheapos, right? They're not, um, they're, they're the guys who, who think they can do it, but their life situations change as well. And a lot of times, these guys would go for plan like that just to test you out, right? Just to feel you out. And they're already getting tired of doing all this work. They can do it, but they're getting tired of it. They say, okay, maybe there's a guy out there. Maybe there's a gal out there that can solve all this property management crap for me, but I can't take 10% and take a, take a chance on that. That's too expensive, but I'm going to take a chance on a 20 bucks a month plan and see how they perform. So let's clarify that we're not talking about losing money, right? The goal here is not for your business to lose money in exchange for getting these people that you can one day upsell. We're talking about segmenting the value where your where your hard costs are low, segmenting the value of what's in that plan, but then additionally having an a la carte paradigm. I think it's fair to say this has to be combined with an a la carte paradigm where you're at the $20 a month plan, but you want a tenant insurance with that. You want eviction protection with that. You want an inspection on top of that. There's clear pricing uh, on an a la carte basis for all of those additional services. That's definitely a component here. It's important to note we're not advocating losing money. Right. But I'll have to sort of in introduce this one little um, potential problem in there, right? And the potential problem is cannibalizing your you know, fair priced services. Fair. That's where the money lost. The service, you can deliver pretty good stuff for 19, 20 bucks because the systems and processes you have in place, the technologies you have in place, you could probably break even on that or even maybe, maybe even make money at volume. But problem is, can't, I think cannibalizing your other plans is a risk. So that needs to be considered. It definitely does. And that's why the better and best plans need to have a really strong demonstration of value. And there has to be a clear uh, difference between each one of those plans. So that there's a clear distinction. All right. So that's, so we, so we just put that nugget out there, chew on it, think about it, consider it. If you're the guy that's right now complaining about this big box shop coming into your market, 
slashing prices, having this low flat fee, and you feel like you're getting your pants beat off. Maybe you're retreating, right? This is Clayton Christensen, Innovator's Dilemma. He talks about the tendency when disruption enters the marketplace is for incumbents to move up market. A disruptor tends to service the lower end of the market that is potentially either underserved or not served at all. And the existing incumbents, rather than compete, tend to move up market. So there's a lot of companies that are responding to lower tier pricing competitors by saying, well, we're going to move up market. We didn't want those, those lower tier properties anyway. Well, that's a great idea. But if you're doing that in more of a reactive, defensive uh, way, as opposed to actually intentionally choosing that, this is potentially an option for you to combat what's happening in your market in that regard. Let's move on to the other item that I mentioned, and that is the paid consultative sale. So this is a paid consultative sales process. And when we fleshed out this concept, what we specifically honed in on was what we were calling the comprehensive ROI analysis and consultation. But if you back that up, if you point to the principle, what are we talking about? What we're talking about is in the sales process, a clear demonstration of value that is so beefy, that is so juicy that you can actually attach a price tag to it. And attaching the price tag does two things. It allows you to both justify leaning in and creating a lot of value in the context of that consultation, but it also demonstrates to other people that you're serious and that this is a this is a legit offering. It, it actually has enough value that you feel comfortable charging for it. Walk me through why you feel like, Alex, that this is this is an opportunity for companies. And if you were a property manager, how you might put this in place. The generally accepted form of uh, top of the funnel lead capture in the, the property management space right now is rental analysis. Free rental analysis. So it's powered by Rent Range or Rent Facts. Um, there are two companies like that, um, that 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 are able to pull those reports. So what you do is you offer that to your website visitors in hopes that you will gain somebody, you gain their email addresses and their contact information, gain interest initially in your property management services. So that's just set that up. The, the level up from there, uh, what we talked about, is a comprehensive in-home rental consultation okay that will have both the rent ready you know uh, uh rent ready report that is specific to the property that will have both the roi calculations with and without management services that is a service in itself that is valuable um and that a consumer cannot get from zillow you know, all these other rental websites out there. They cannot get an experienced property manager in their house doing their specific evaluation. And that's what I'm talking about. That's a level up from there. So charge, you know, a, a, a fee for that service that, it, that where your company's still making money. And I think the most serious prospects will come from that channel. You're valuing your time. You're valuing their time. You're leaning in in the thing that you know you would like to do, right? You, what you'd like to do is to pre-qualify the people that you're interacting with and then go deeper into those specific relationships. And this is a structured way to do that. When this process is done, when that meeting is done, they've already received a significant amount of value. And that's how you're framing the relationship on an ongoing basis. I see this being done in an increasing basis in the freelance 
freelancer space where asking the question or answering the question as a freelancer, should I offer a free strategy call? Well, that takes my time, that gives away my ideas. I'm basically offering up my strategy for free to a consumer that may or may not be qualified. This is a way to make it a win-win for everybody. I don't know about you, man, but I I think this idea has legs and I think we're going to see at least a couple clients put this in place in the next 12 to 24 months. Again, it it requires further evaluation. It requires experimentation and uh, it requires fairly high traffic, Jordan. If your website gets, you know, I don't know, a thousand visitors a month and, you know, only about 50 of them are owners, you know, um, this may give you some idea of how many takers there is, but this I think this requires some volume. So this is, I think this is more for a pay-per-click campaign, Facebook campaign, or a high-trafficked uh, blog that can offer this option, like as a content upgrade, we call it a button on the blog that's being read a lot, a video you've recorded, it's being watched a lot, those kinds of things. This is where you test it. You need volume to test these, these concepts. That's really interesting. All right. So so guys, note, Alex is relating this towards this as a lead gen offer, whereas I'm relating this towards a conversion component. You can look at it from either perspective. You could be looking at this offer as a way to generate more leads like Alex's, or you could be thinking about it as a way to actually convert more of the leads you already have. So the volume I'm thinking about, Alex, is lead volume. If I've got at least 10 leads a month, I've got more than enough to be able to test the impact of this. How many people take me up on this offer of the people that do? Are those people satisfied? And when somebody pays for this offering, how much more or less likely are they to end up buying my overall service package? That's kind of the mental framework, the mental math I would be doing to validate this offer. Yeah, well, so I, I agree. There, there's there's a conversion uh, aspect to this. In fact, there's a strong conversion aspect to it. But ten leads equals about three hundred qualified, you know, owner visitors to your website. So I'm just saying, going back, you got to have volume. You got to have traffic. I think you're right. I do not disagree. The last thing I wanted to talk about was the idea of a guarantee. Guarantees that there's. I mean, there's a lot of guarantees already. Talk me through some of the guarantees you are you already see companies putting out in the marketplace. Pet uh, guarantee, uh, tenant guarantee, home condition guarantee. Um, there's probably four others I can't recall. That last one you mentioned is actually not one that I've heard before, the home condition guarantee. No, we're introducing that. The idea of the home condition guarantee is stemming from from what, right? Any guarantee should be pointed at a specific emotional trigger in the mind of the consumer. The home condition and performance guarantee is essentially guaranteeing what? The quality and the condition and the performance of your home. And this obviously relates to a concern that consumers have. Walk me through what you believe that trigger looks like in the mind of the consumer. What is this a response to? Yeah, well, as a homeowner, you care about two things. Two things are at the forefront of your mind. ROI being addressed. The two things you have on your mind is, one, is my home going to be destroyed? Is my home going to diminish in value? Is my home is going to be so worn out by the time this current tenant or new tenant moves out, I will have to put in thousands of dollars to bring it back to a condition to rent it again. Am I going to be in a financial hole because my home is going to get destroyed by some tenants, uh, by someone who lives there and, and occupies it and, and whatever, right? The second concern is, is am I going to get income 
to cover the mortgage? Am I gonna, is my income going to be consistent enough so I can cover the mortgage, cover the house expenses, and, and sort of travel and do things I want to do without worrying for, worrying for my house? After all, I'm hiring a property management company, so I, they can sort of centralize, optimize, and deliver me the monthly rental check at the you know, absolute exact time of the month. I expect it and I need it. I get it. The p- bills are paid. I want to make sure that is taken care of. So those two concerns are major concerns. Uh, I think any homeowner or investor even uh, or a landlord has. Um, and th- that that guarantee sort of basically touches both of these major pain points. So let's flesh out the guarantee a little bit more. Again, you could spin this a million different ways, but this may come with a comprehensive uh, video home inspection report, an annual property condition survey, maybe a certain dollar amount that's related to home restoration. So if your home does get trashed up to a certain dollar amount, we're going to fix it for you. It's de-risking it and it's de-risking it on a, what I would consider more of an emotional level, right? If you think about all of your reluctant landlords, we could put them largely into two buckets. The folks whose hangup is primarily emotional, like exactly what you just said. I'm worried about this 30-year property that was has been in my family for a long time. I grew up there, parent passed away. I'm open to the idea of renting it out. But that said, I do not want a family with 10 kids coming in and trashing grandpappy's property, right? It's just for whatever reason, there are emotional considerations. The other half of the other half of your reluctant landlords could put be put in a bucket that relates more to folks that are considering the pros and cons of renting versus selling with this specific property. The two offers that we talked about, previously we talked about the paid offering of actually getting some kind of a consultation to help me understand the uh, overall ROI of whether or not rent versus sell. That's relating more to the folks where that is their primary trigger point. For these folks that are in this emotional category, the home condition and performance guarantee could address the primary consideration that they have. When you think about these types of offers, Alex, why is it so powerful to match your selling point to something that's on the opposite side? Why is it so important to to target offers to specific let's say, pain points that consumers have. Just talk me through the leverage that exists there. The first and foremost thing is you got to come at it from a, from a position of service and empathy, right? Um, this is what a lot of your competitors lack. And, you know, people consider a lot of, and this is what I'm, I'm getting tired of this, and I keep speaking this on my own podcast. I'm tired of tenants being treated like second-class citizens by some of these property management companies. That is not the correct way. That is not a service way. That is not an empathetic way. That's not how you build your business into a massive powerhouse um, like some of the more successful property managers do because they have purpose behind their actions, right? They have purpose, and their purpose is to house people in the best housing possible for their situation, for their family, and to provide landlords and real estate investors with return on their investment and securing their largest asset. That is a calling, man. That is that is a lot more important than what you and I do. Believe it, Jordan. That's more important. These property management companies house people every day, and that cannot be taken for granted. So I'm going to take it all the way back to service concept. 
when you're speaking to the customer, so number one, or prospect, number one is listening, right? We talked about turning the what is your fee question into a discovery. And, and upon that discovery, you know, you're going to listen and, and you're going to continue to dig in deeper, deeper to understand their concerns. What you have, your, your service offering is going to be able to alleviate those concerns. But don't be so in a hurry to just blab it out there without listening, right? That's not going to connect. That's going to be, that's not going to work. You still have to do discovery. You still have to do the listening. And then when, when it's, when you're ready to present your solution, these things will just knock their socks off. Who, who else would they hire and why? They wouldn't hire anybody else. You have three different pricing tiers that will, you know, please, you know, 95% of landlords out there. You solve real problems and you provide, you de-risk their investment. You de-risk their, um, their, you know, their experience, their concerns with the property. And, and that's it. And you win the deal every time. A competent salesperson with this sort of infrastructure in terms of pricing and services can close. What would you say the closing ratio should be when when a competent salesperson picks up the phone and they have this sort of infra- infrastructure? I always say that industry average is 12 to 13%. That's the data that we see day in, day out. I also, uh, when people ask me, I'd say 20% should be your, your bottom tier. If I was running a property management company and I had a closing rate of less than 20%, I would be really, really frustrated. If I personally was in that position on a sales type level, I'd be shooting for 30% or better. But keep in mind that the more you expand with lead flow, the harder that gets to maintain. Yeah, no kidding. I also want to. Uh, we don't. We, we don't have much time left, but I want to poke at the frustration comment you made. You would be moved into action to fix it and find and attend the PM Grow Summit and figure out how these other more successful companies do it. Come back and bring the process back to your company and fix it. I think being frustrated is a good start, but I think taking that frustration and channeling into action, a deliberate action. Is, is sort of how you fix these things. But yeah, I would say 30 to 40% will be the closing ratio for a competent salesperson with this sort of tool set, with this sort of in pricing infra- and service infrastructure. And, and, and I do, you know, it bears repeating, I've said this a million times, but you gotta make sure you're talking to apples to apples comparison with conversion rate, don't cherry pick. Your conversion rate of the warm bodies you met with in person to customers that's interesting. Your meeting to close rate is interesting, but that's not your true conversion rate. And when people bandy that stat out about you're doing a disservice to everybody else because you're really cherry picking your numbers. The cherry, the conversion rate that I'm talking about is anybody that fills out a contact form, any qualified prospect that that calls in, right? Yes, you can discount somebody that filled out the form and they're a tenant, they're a vendor, but otherwise, anybody that fills out a form or makes a phone call, that is what should be included when you're calculating your overall conversion rate. I want to transition now to talk to the rapid fire section of the interview. I want to walk through a couple of key questions. Alex, the first question is, how much is too much to pay for a new property management contract? We're talking about customer acquisition costs. How much is too much, Alex, in your opinion? 50% of the uh, lifetime um, value. Ouch! Ouch! That is the uh, that is the single highest number I have heard to date, probably by an order of magnitude. I, I got to push back on that, man. Are you, you you really believe fifty percent? You would go that high? 
Uh, I'm saying you said what is too high. I'd say 50%. Uh, if, well, if, yeah. So, so, so let me preface this. I know it's a rapid fire. So let me rapidly tell you, if I am financed, I will do it. If I am bootstrapping or revenued from, you know, this particular income, and that's the only source I have. I don't have real estate sales. I don't have maintenance business. I don't have anything else, but the fee-based property management business. Yeah, that's a suicide because uh, it's going to take you, you know, you know, two years to real <laughs> to, to break even. But if you are invested, like, like, look at this. These guys are up in uh, what's Max? Max's company. What's this? What's this Nothing about them. Castle. Yeah, Castle. Castle. These guys just raised, what, four, three, four million? I'd pay 50%. You, you know what? His customer acquisition cost where he tapped out was way lower than that. Way lower than that. So what's interesting is two things here, guys. First, Alex is talking, answering the question in terms of a percentage of lifetime value. Nobody else has answered that question that way. Everybody else has put a straight dollar figure on it. I think that is the right orientation. The other thing is that Alex, by answering it that way, is kind of uh, uh, not having to address the other consideration, which is, are we talking about the cost just in terms of marketing dollars or are we talking about fully loaded, right? So that's a really aggressive number. For most of you guys, it's going to be lower than that. But let's say it's half. Let's say it's a quarter of what Alex just articulated. That is the right mental model. Your customer acquisition cost, willingness to pay, should be a byproduct of lifetime value. Next question for you, Alex. Who do you learn from? Um, I follow two uh, podcasts uh, uh, regularly and religiously, if you will. Uh, one of them is Mixergy, Andrew Warner does fantastic interviews. So he he does exceptional interviews. I learn everything from him, from his guests, as well as from him, the way he conducts interviews. And uh, he is becoming a good friend and, 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 a, and an advisor um, in a lot of ways. Uh, the second one I listen to all the time is Jordan Harbinger with... Um, the Art of Charm. The Art of Charm. That's it. So that's that's another one I follow fairly, re uh, not religiously. There are a couple more out there that I cherry pick, uh, like James Altucher Show. The James Altucher Show is pretty good. And, and one last thing I'm going to mention, my newest kick is Jim Quick. Ah, that's what I thought, that's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, super interesting character. Yep, and talks about brain science. He's a brain scientist. You know, a worthy, a worthy, a worthy uh, one to listen. And Gary V, of course, Gary V is an inspiration. Is a bit, is uh, a bit of a talking a lot about himself and his journey. But his journey is very interesting to me, so I follow. Alex, what books have impacted you the most over the years? Well, I have a stack behind me, um, but now lately I've had all of them on my Kindle, so I can't really like have a stack. Um, I'm reading a lot of culture-based and uh, um, team-based uh, um, kind of books. Um, if don't have the titles um, that I can pull right out of my brain like you do, uh, I have very selective memories. Um, but um, right now, it's I'm focused on team and culture building. Love it. Next question. What's the number one thing that you see property management companies doing wrong when it comes to property management marketing? Not doubling down on what, on what works. And, and f first of all, it's not understanding what works and not caring enough. Uh, being sort of a, a horse with the blinders on. Um, 
you know, let's run, let's run, let's run in a single direction and let's not evaluate, let's not let's not review what's what's happening, let's not go outside of the you know, the usual parameters of, you know, PPC, uh, buying, buy some leads from uh, all property management and, you know, and close as many as I can. Lack of attention, lack of, lack of focus. Lack of focus. Everything pre-sale has been sort of a, sort of pre, you know, it's like there's a preordained, you know, lead channels out there that, you know, people neglect to build their own brand by getting the injected with the PPC or PPL drug, right? PPC pay-per-click, PPL pay-per-lead. It's the easy way out. You inject your veins with some leads from, you know, pay-per-lead sources or pay-per-click sources. This is, this should be a bridge to get you to your own way to to you know to 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 grow leads and, and grow referrals and 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 build networks and 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 run you know investor seminars every month and like like i don't know i i love steve rosenberg and the way he's he's running his business is fantastic and he does not rely on pay-per-click he still does it because that's a great way to get business in the door now again injecting that vein but man he's getting you know 80 percent, 90 percent of his business from organic who can say that last question of the day alex I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this. Are entrepreneurs born or bred? Actually, that's 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 a good question. So I think both, but so when you're born an entrepreneur, you have this sort of innate drive to innovate, to do things. You're not satisfied with the status quo. You keep you keep building. Uh, but the nurture part can sort of bring you down, right? Can bring you down a little bit, diminish your talents, and set you on a path of unhappiness, you know, in a cubicle. Um, when you are made entrepreneur, you are being pushed by circumstance, and you know, you and I, to some extent, are part of that, right? By circumstance into into building something, building an opportunity, and serving your purpose. The lethal combination is both born and made those guys those guys that you know mark zuckerberg uh, uh you know uh, uh bill gates those are the people right hopefully jordan moela and alex osanenko right those are the people as it was probably a lot of listeners those are the people that make it big those are the people that don't stop they're not shy to be on the video they're not shy to go on a podcast they're proud of their business do we are we perfect hell no we make mistakes all the time but you know it's the journey for perfection, for service, in the name of service, right? The perfection in the name of service. That's what drives me. That's what drives my business. I know you very well, and that's what drives you as well. I know that for a fact. And so born and made, lethal combination. Uh, good luck competing with us. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. Pleasure to have you on the show today, Alex. Where can listeners go to find out more about what you're up to? That's awesome, man. Fourandhalf.com is where I live. That's my business. That's my website. The property management show is something that I would you know, recommend people checking out. I have a little bit different style with Jordan. Jordan is very, very sort of very smart and organized and very sort of a structured way. The interviews into is, is are interesting. I think the value of this podcast, it's, it's going to be in the millions of dollars of revenue for the audience, for your audience in the future. No joke. This particular podcast, because I think we've uncovered some, some really, truly unique ways to grow businesses. But, you know, my show, 
will also give you a, a little bit different perspective on things where I go deeper and and try to kind of pick the nuggets of wisdom out of the brains of, of my guests. Um, hopefully, uh, you'll be on a level with this show. But it's, yeah. Different is good. Diversity is good. The reality is there's plenty of demand in the market. We should also shout out uh, Brad Larson with his show, Property Management Mastermind. There is massive demand for smart, talented, true property management entrepreneurs. PME, and that's an uppercase, bolded emphasis on the E. That's the change that's happening in the industry. Those are the people that are being served by listening to shows like Alex's podcast. Really appreciate you coming on today, Alex. We'll see you in January. It was a pleasure. 